This is the Studio Alchemy Podcast, episode 99, an interview with Maria Medina Schetter. Our quote of the day was said by Hildegard von Bingen. She wrote, I am the flame above the beauty in the fields. I shine in the waters. I burn in the sun, the moon, and the stars. And with the fiery wind, I quicken all things vitally into all sustaining life. Hello, everyone. The purpose of this podcast is to explore creative ways to transform our lives using visualization, manifestation, art making, and self-help techniques. Alchemy was the ancient study of changing materials from one thing into another, and we all do this every day. Every choice you make is transforming our world. On this podcast, we explore ways we can change both our physical and spiritual selves for the better. On this podcast, we hunt for the wise balance between accepting what is and taking empowered action. My name is Addie Hirshton. I am an artist. I sign my paintings with the name Vita. I teach online creativity classes and have written a few books, including The Alchemy of Painting, Developing Your Style and Purpose, and my new book that was recorded for Audible, Start Selling Your Art, A Guide to Starting a Professional Art Business. When this podcast first started, it was to share just stories about artists and was called The Alchemy of Art Podcast, and now we are the Studio Alchemy Podcast and have expanded our topics of discussion to include ways that everyone can harness their creative energy. To find out more about my projects, classes, and sign up for my art newsletter, I invite you to go to my website, studioalchemy.art. And now for our topic of the day, I have an interview on bio art with Maria Medina Schettler. She has been an artist for 26 years. She was born in Pasadena, California, and raised in Northern California, and now lives in Bloomington, Indiana. Her unique practice centers around reverence for the natural world and an investigation into living matter, specifically mycelium as a medium. Maria refers to her paintings as dimensional works on paper using only living organic materials. She calls her paintings recipes. <laughs> her mission as an artist is to use healthier materials for a healthier world. You can find out more about her work at www.t6dh.com. And now for our interview with Maria. Maria, thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Wonderful. First question for you, my friend. What is the story of how you became an artist? I became an artist, well, that <clears throat> it definitely happened organically. My grandfather was a sculptor and my grandmother was a painter and I was very close with them. So they definitely had a huge influence on me. I mean, I was maybe four or five when I was first introduced to this giant ball of clay. And my grandfather mm -hmm. asked me to just... He said, you can make anything you want. What do you want to make? And I remember just his hands being so, I mean, they were giant. He could grab me by my tummy and pick me up with one hand and put me on 
like a table or something. Mm-hmm. So he just, he always reminded me of the rock people from um, the David Bowie movie. What was it? Um, oh, I can't remember it now. But yeah, his influence was huge. And they had a library of art books. So I was always looking through different books. And I mean, at such a young age, uh, I really didn't capture the what what I was looking at. But we would have discussions about watching people. It was something that he used to tell me all the time. And we would practice together. And he would always say, so, you know, the next time I saw him, have you been watching people? Have you been sketching, you know, what you're seeing and things like that? So, you know, it happened slowly. But then I, I did go to uh, Cornish in Seattle. And that's an art college there. So that's where I did my BFA. And then um, and then from there, it was just like, I don't know, I started showing and had a studio in Seattle and a really good um, uh, and actually a really amazing, thriving community of artists there. And yeah, it was just sort of a natural progression, definitely. Okay. Watching people. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, I, and and watching everything really, but that's interesting to start with just people watching people, just observing people. Yeah, mm. I mean, he really put a focus on you know when we would sit in a park bench, he would say, "Does that lady's nose go up at the end? Does it go down?" You know, like he really had me, and so. When I moved to New York City, I used to do that same thing on the subway or Central Park. And I would sit and watch people. And you don't even have to really draw them to train the neural pathways in your brain that that's what you're looking for. And then you start to really um, become familiar with the shape of the body and the movements and behaviors and things that kind of then would trickle over into my work. Awesome. I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Second question. How would you define bio art? Bio art. What do you <clears throat> bio art? It's so specific. There's this very specific definition in the dictionary, um, which I don't have memorized because for me, it's, uh, it, it is sort of the marriage of art and science, but it really has a lot to do with working with um, living material as your medium. So like mycelium, um, different plants, flowers, roots, you know, things that are alive um, or were previously alive. Um, but also there's a lot of uh, investigative work that happens. So I consider myself more of a citizen scientist artist, but I say <laughs> bio artist, But if I'm with the mycology folks, I would say I'm a citizen scientist. If I'm with other (laughs) artists, I'd say I'm a bio artist. So that way they know where my interests are in nature, you know? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Super cool. (laughs) So what projects have you been working on lately? Well, lately, I actually have, um, I wrote a grant last year to, uh, I've, I've only published one book and that was my master's thesis. And this year, because I could not find any resources for 
artist working with mycelium. Um, so the UK Mycological Society had put a call art a call for artists out and um, they wanted to have these kind of ideas submitted that would help to inspire other artists how to use mycelium as a medium and um, I was the only American artist to submit um, and my idea is creating a book called um, mycelium as a medium <laughs> Okay. So uh, I wanted, so basically I am documenting all the work that I've done the last two years and um, including all the recipes for each of the paintings and for the sculptures and the recipes. And because the science part of growing mycelium is very specific and meticulous. Yes. So you are a little bit like a scientist because you have to wear a mask and gloves and um, you have an incubator space and things like yeah. that. And and I know what mycelium is because I got to play with it with you. And um, But for our listeners who've never heard of it, can you briefly describe what the heck it is and how you might use yeah, it in this yeah, sculpture? Definitely. So mycelium, uh, the way that I have learned it and I try to explain it, is that if you think of a tree that fruits apples, then you can kind of think of mycelium as the tree and it fruits mushrooms. Only the mycelium that I work with doesn't fruit mushrooms. It's not inoculated with a spore. So it's just the mycelium. So that way I can work with it as a sculptural material. Um, so it will never grow. Although the crown that I'm growing right now um, which is the biggest experiment I've ever done in my life. It is an actual uh, inoculated, it's a crown that's going to go over the arch and it will be made of uh, yellow oyster mushrooms. So we have some serious experimenting going on as we speak. <laughs> and this is the great part because I can work and then I can go clean my house <laughs> and it's still growing and doing its thing, you know? So, yes. yeah, it's, it's really ultimately, um, I mean, it's just so fascinating. Uh, Sherlyn or Merlin Sheldrake, who is a UK biologist, he has so many interesting findings and mycelium and I and you, uh, we share 50% of our DNA with mycelium. And mycelium is also found underneath trees and pretty much is the super natural highway that gives and brings all the nutrients into all of our flora, which then affects all the fauna. And, you know, it's a, it's a giant ecosystem really heavily um, based on the importance of trees because mycelium is inside of trees and below in the roots. And it's how they talk to each other and, you know, if they're not getting enough water, they'll say, let's go over there. There's more water over there. And I don't know what that language sounds like, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I know there are scientists uh, experimenting with that too and making music with it and things like that. So Whoa. it's that alive. like whale songs. <laughs> exactly. I mean, this stuff is definitely alive. It's like, you know, working with zombies, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> Awesome, of course, awesome. you know, the, the, um, there's that movie or the 
TV show, The Last of Us, and they have cordyceps in there. That's kind of like a scary TV show where it gets into the person's body and they become mushroom zombies. And it it can't really happen, but it does do that to bugs. (gasps) Oh, right. You told me about this. It's so crazy. It affects their brains. Oh, Mm -hmm. no. Yeah, it takes over. to me right now, Maria, and I don't even know it. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. No. It's going (laughs) to turn into a turkey tail. Um, Yeah, so my whole life is just, you know, it's really blossomed into... Um, ultimately at the core of that, because I was a painter, oil painter for 20 years, and then I had an eco environmental awakening and that to do with living in the fires and being affected by the fires in Northern California. Um, and so, you know, moving, um, East and going to Indiana where my husband's from, then, um, I became enamored with the gorgeous trees here and all the natural world. I mean, nothing's caged in here. Nobody has a, every, well, everyone has a front yard and a backyard and some have acres and there's no fences. So, you know, mm-hmm. we have a family of deer who will come visit. And so we're mindful in our practices and gardening and things like that. We're not using toxic fertilizers and you know, we're trying to keep it natural, know that we're coexisting with the natural world. It's the right yeah. place to do it in for sure. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So um, I am writing a book on symbols and I love hearing about what images are most important to people and what really resonates with them. So what's your favorite symbol and what does it represent to you? I was excited to hear about this because I don't know why it's hard to say really, but I have uh, seven star tattoos on my body. Oh, and the rest is I didn't water, know. water tattoos and a water dragon and stuff. Um, so I'm tattooed all over my body, but the tattoos were um, they're on the five points in my body, and then I have some extra ones just just in case one falls off. But um, I don't know. I've always been attracted to stars. And when I was a child, I used to sit in the tree and talk to the stars and be mm-hmm. like, I know you can see me and I know there's someone out there, not like aliens or something. I think it was just sort of a greater spirit because okay. I've always been enamored with uh, Hildegard von Bingen, yeah. who's from, from uh, the, our middle times. The, the polymath, the amazing, um, she was, you know, just also really in love with nature and the greening and she would do things like that and yes. talk to the trees and plants and, and yeah, and she, um, and she believed that she spoke to spirits and had, um, uh, like, like spiritual visions. Like she did one drawing of her having a vision which we even wonder if it might have been a migraine that she was having some some people think she might have had some trouble with migraines but like but it's fire coming out of the top of her head wow i haven't seen that and she believed it was a spiritual spiritual thing she's definitely a warrior i mean you know for during that time period 
when women were being um, persecuted in such a heavy way. Yeah. And she was really the only abbess around in an, a world of men. And Yes. And you know, she really had to stand up to some of those men in her religious community for on behalf of her women's uh, spiritual community. Yeah, yes. yeah, she's she's amazing. It's, she's such a leader in women's like rights, almost you know, for our century. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. she's very inspiring to me because she was also a polymath, which means she was very good at a lot of things. She, she was also mm-hmm. in her time considered like a doctor, but an yes. herbalist. Yeah, she did. And they just, I mean, it, you know, like she got into so many areas that I think influenced um, her relationship with the divine because I do also believe that I'm only a vessel for any of my ideas or anything that comes through me are not my own and that artists are vessels and we're connected to the divine somehow I'm still not sure but I dream a lot and I also have had visions since I was little and Mm -hmm. Um, never really shared it publicly until now. <laughs> um, I pulled it out of you. <laughs> yeah, I know. You do that. You know, it's that magical part about you, Eddie. Um, but yeah, I uh, it was something that I connected with my husband um, before we were married. And we shared we share that similarity of having visions. And we support that in each other. Um and and really follow it as an intuitive guide and so we just then we got married (laughs) well it's a little bit more complicated but you know um but I do uh encourage women to listen to to their intuition um Mm -hmm. and it's taken me you know almost but 47 years to trust myself and listen to my intuition because it's my connection to the divine and I feel like it helps me make the right next decision. Mm. Um, and I don't know, I feel like I had a, a horrible car accident in 2018. And that's when I stopped using oil paint. Um, and it took several years, almost five years of recovery. And then when I started painting again, it was I didn't want to go back to anything other than exploring the organic world, the natural world. And that was intuitive. I didn't, I'd never done that in my life. I'd never even done watercolors before. I mean, I did them academically because we had to, but nothing had ever called to me before the way the work I do now does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm suddenly reminded of um, back to Hildegard von Bingen. So when she was young, she was like a nun in training, right? Um, Mm -hmm. and she was given the task of watching over this other woman who had taken this religious vow to be walled up inside a building. So this, this other, this nun was walled into a room and only had, um, uh, they got like a little box or whatever to have food being put through and, it was Hildegard's duty to take care of her. So she was one of the only people who could actually see her. And um, and this 
other nun would do like the self-flagellation stuff like like harming her own body mm-hmm. and um and Hildegard had to watch her do that to herself and then I think it's really interesting that you know Hildegard did not take that path that like renouncing the world and turning your her back on it and hurting her own body she took the path of I am building a community and I am creating artwork and I am getting into herbalism and healing people and I am the women's leader in my in my community anyway um I I don't know any other thoughts on Hildegard or or that or or even back to the symbol of the star and how you related that to Hildegard yeah I I mean I think it's um I haven't done research but I do have uh an interest in going in looking deeper into the star symbol um mm-hmm. because I've seen it in her works and I just love her also I'm not sure how you came to her but I found her um while I was in the art um the at Cornish College of the Arts okay. I took a women's studies class and uh one of the the projects we had to do there were all these women and one guy in there and I always thought oh good for you <laughs> and then oh oh but so we she said because she was you know one of our first female composers as well mm-hmm. so the instructor had us all um stand in a circle and then we started to hum just quietly to ourselves in our own tone and then she said I want you to see a circle close your eyes and then we all did that and and then when you close your eyes and you're humming and you're with your cohorts and all of a sudden that sound it was moving you could hear it feel it and see it in your mind and then it it completely grabbed hold and it was just this white light in a circle just going around and it it was all of our our humming um, harmonizing into one sound and that experience is what I felt like seeded Hildegard from being into my soul like I felt really a soul connection at that moment that that is art that I want to somehow find a way to visually articulate and I never I don't know if it's close yet but there is something called the greening that she was really enamored with, um, which can be sometimes looked at as sort of her type of connection to the divine. Um, But it's seeing green in all things. So life, this veriditas, she calls it. And um, I think it's really, it's so inspiring that a woman of the Middle Ages could have such passion to make these massive changes in culture at that time. And I mean, I know they thought she was crazy, but most people think women who are um, innovators, they think they're crazy. And it's a fine line between, you know, being a successful innovator and falling off the map or never really. But I think even putting effort into it to try to discover and learn and experiment is following in her footsteps. Mm. Yeah. Wow. 
wonderful thoughts. So <laughs> I've asked you all the questions that I had prepared for you, Maria. I'm wondering if like you have any other final thoughts, like, like imagine the listeners here, what they might want to hear from you. Um, another way to say it is, you know, what about if, if your younger self was listening right now, what would you say to them? Oh, I love that. That's great. Thank you. Yes, I would say. <laughs> start vegetarianism now <laughs> you know to help with this effect of our climate crisis I try to approach everything with climate solutions but um I love the idea of helping my future self today so however it is that I'm showing up in life that I'm trying to you know practice all the because it isn't just a painting practice um, but it's also about healing. And that's something I learned when I went to go live with the Thai forest monks and nuns. And they taught me about uh, food at, and herbs as medicine for the body. And so it's not just food, but we're feeding ourselves these, because we're all constantly healing and we're all constantly dying. We're all going through this process every day. And so the parts of me that I feel I want to heal, that's what I focus on. And my work really, um, I find a healing property in it. The materials are also very healing, but so like the teas I use or um, like the different mushrooms like lion's mane or reishi or something, those um, helped in my own recovery, but they also help continuously boost our immune systems and help with memory and you know as we age and we want to age gracefully so I'm doing a lot of work to learn about food again and how to take it in and how to let it be medicine for any parts of my body that just might need some extra assistance so I would say like food doesn't come from a box <laughs> go to your local farm <laughs> and to and get eggs from a farmer and then go to a grocery store and get those eggs and crack them both open and you will be so shocked what you find and the taste do a taste test it's completely different you know it's it's amazing when things are um cared for by hand instead of produced mass produced by machines Mm -hmm. there really is a huge difference and that energetic relationship is lost with machines as well um and as a, in addition to like all the ai stuff that's going on right now i found that to be really controversial like through my threads that i read through um i'm not against it but i'm also not for it because i like to document now how I feel and what's going on in a different way just through color and the relationship of these botanicals I bring together but they don't necessarily have like a political statement one way or another it's more just the process and the practice that keeps me going and inspired yes 
Nice, nice, wonderful. Yeah, I'm reminded a little bit, something about what you said reminds me of William Morris, who was a, a wallpaper designer <laughs> in, um, in Britain in what, like 1860s or so. And he is the one who famously said, have nothing in your house that you do not believe to be both useful and beautiful. But he wrote a lot about how, you know, if you can mass produce things and then they, they lose that human quality. So how can we keep the human quality within what we're producing? Um, and he loved looking at nature and, and, and creating things from nature just as you do. So I don't know. Something about what she said reminded me of William Morris just a little bit. I love his designs. Yeah. Beautiful florals. They're amazing. And the furniture that's inspired. And do you know about the symbolist? They're... Oh, the, the movement from the 1890s? Yeah. Yeah. Your work, you and your work remind me of the symbolist. I think oh. you have been having sipping tea with them or something. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love those guys. Love me those too. Guys. I just love yeah. that. Radon is my favorite. Oh, yes. That's my grandfather's figure. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, Maria, thank you so much for coming yes. on the show. I so appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Definitely. I hope that inspires someone to go and dig their hands into the earth or get grounded a little. It's very, it's a very fun process just to get your feet dirty a little yes. bit. Yes. <laughs> That's what we do as artists. We get dirty. Exactly. <laughs> That's so true. This concludes the Studio Alchemy podcast. May these thoughts and stories comfort and heal your spirit. May you be filled with inspiration. May you be like the lotus flower and build your home in the muddy water. May you find your voice.